going on, everybody? Welcome back to Chaos in Christ Podcast. I'm your host, Alexi Felix. I appreciate you taking the time to hear me out and what I have to bring to the table in hopes that it gives you a new perspective, one that obviously points you back to Christ and makes you desire Christ forevermore. So uh, before I get into what I'm going to be talking about and what I am going to be talking about is how you really can't do this life alone. Before I get into that, if you could do me a favor, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this podcast on. I've seen that eventually it's mostly people on Apple. Totally cool. Go ahead and hit that plus button. Follow it if this brought you value and you like this show and you find yourself kind of looking for it. Get that notification anytime I upload something. That way you don't miss an episode. And if I can ask for a huge favor, and I know you're probably driving, you're probably barbecuing, cooking, doing dishes, taking a walk, whatever. I I don't expect you to do a lot. You know, I know you're just looking to hear something out real quick. But if you can do me a solid favor, and if you're on Spotify or Apple, um, hit that star button, give me five stars. And on Apple, you can actually write something out, your choice. You can write something that you got out of it, what you like about the show. But it really does help me out really helps the algorithms and other people looking for something like this to, you know, kind of land on the page. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Let's go ahead and talk about why you can't do this alone. Now, I'm starting off with a few points here. Do you feel like as serious and devoted you are to serving the Lord, you seem to always find yourself in that pit once again? So it's typically a sin right? There's that one sin that we find ourselves falling over and over and over again for. We know it doesn't promise what it claims to want to give us because if it did, we wouldn't keep falling over it. But it is the battle of our lives and we seem to not be able to get over this thing and we fight and fight and fight. And there are times maybe where you claim victory over these you know, particular sins and you feel like nothing can stop you. You're on a roll. You're praying. You're listening to all kinds of YouTube videos of theological substance and subjects. And it's just good. You're just feeding yourself. You can do no wrong. And then eventually you do wrong. You fall short and it happens all over again. Now you find yourself in this vicious cycle because there is a particular reason. There's a lot of other reasons to it. But what I have found in my own personal life, which I'm not making it about me, but I am relating with you here, is that chances are you were alone in the whole mix of it all, okay? We'll get into that more. But what I want to address also is what culture tends to tell us that we should be doing and praising. Like, for example, when you go scrolling on Reels or you go through TikTok or whatever, there's always that one video that says disappear, right? And it has like a little song or theme song in the background it's like disappear get away from everyone don't tell anyone what you're doing do it by yourself grind on your own don't waste my time don't call me if it's not about me if it doesn't benefit me if it doesn't enrich me do not interrupt my day don't do it and we praise that stuff we like it share it post it on our stories and i will raise my hand and i will tell you this my hands are raised my hand is that I've liked those videos myself and thought to myself, yeah, that's exactly what it takes to be successful. Grind out, 
Shut everyone else out. No one else needs to know your business. No one really cares about your business. And, the, you know, there's other videos that say this along the lines as well. That those that you think care are really plotting your demise. They're really looking to see you fall, fail and fumble because they don't really support you. So therefore, cut them off. Now, there is a bit of truth into that. I'm not going to sit here and act like everyone wants you to win. We know that that's not the case. Not everyone cares for you to actually do things that are good in this world. Not everyone. There are some people that cannot really be happy for you because they're not happy with themselves, but that's deeper inside. This is true. And there is there is moments of solitude, which is my other point. There is a time for solitude. I'm a person who's very energetic and can be very outgoing. I I get pretty much alive when I'm around people, especially if they're good people and I can vibe with them. Then I'm I'm all for the gathering. I'm all for the party. I'm all for having good conversations, being loud, laughing, cracking jokes. Love it. That's a good time for me. But then there's a moment in my life where solitude is so vital. I can't do it anymore. That's There's too much energy output. And sometimes you do come across people that really will backstab you, really do talk negatively behind your back, and somehow you start to catch the drift about it. And in front of your face, they're the friendliest, most supportive person ever. So I get it. I get the idea of disappearing. I get the idea of not having to tell everyone your business and what you are trying to accomplish. There is a level of truth there, but it does feel short because even that becomes toxic. Because let's be real, no successful business, no successful person, and even it doesn't have to be in business. It could be in your workplace as an employee, maybe a salesperson. Obviously, mainly successful in your walk with Christ. And and by success, please forgive me, don't make it seem like there's some sort of measurement that you can start to outweigh everybody else on and boom, you've earned your way up there. Obviously, we are saved by grace alone. There's no works we could provide. But by success, I honestly mean a real, genuine, devoted life devotion to Christ, you know, to that relationship with Christ because he saved and redeemed you. And what you want to do is not fall for the same traps over and over again. But in this society, in this culture, which is why I mentioned social media, it's so easily pushed where you want to do life on your own, online church on your own, find a podcast like this, and that's enough for you. You can get enough of the scriptures and someone's perspective, and they can make you feel good. And they know how it goes these days. It's all about my feelings. How do I feel? Do I feel good about it? And that's all you need. I mean, I work from home. I can literally never leave my house if I truly desire not to. Do I need groceries? Get it delivered. Where do I make my money? From home. Where am I podcasting from? From home. Where do I go to school? From home. I don't need to leave anymore. I don't need to engage. And then you got online churches and podcasts and all these videos on YouTube that you could almost make the excuse where you can do this on your own. You're good. But then here you are, falling, failing, sinning, feeling that shame and the regret over and over again. And at some point, you you have to ask yourself, what gives? Because I tried to escape the world that I thought was the cause of my sin. And in reality, I'm still sinning. And I've almost excluded everyone out of my life. I don't mess with anyone. I don't hang with anyone. 
Isolation, solitude, there's a there's a moment for that. But in solitude, what we should be doing is what? Seeking the Lord, spending time in his word, prayer, all these things that root us and keep us grounded and keep us stable, fighting the good fight of faith because we are at a spiritual war here. That is what we do with our solitude. And in, in solitude, if you're a family man or a woman, you have a family, you have kids, a wife or a husband, and basically your isolation and solitude is just from friends and outside sources of people for a period of time, where then your devotion is to your wife, as your wife is to the husband, as you both are to the children, in developing them, dis- discipline them, discipling them, all of that. That is what we are called to do. But if we are trying to be isolated for our own sake, then we're going to run into some very major troubles in no time. I don't need nobody is a model of arrogance and personal chaos. That's really what that means. I don't need anyone. I don't like people. That's another phrase I hear a lot from people who are very, what's the word, introverted for the most part. Very negative also. I don't like people. I'm not a fan of that phrase. Uh, because it just means you are not able to cooperate with the world. You are not able to actually work side to side with someone. And if you're a Christian, if you claim that you're a Christian, then how's that working out for you? How's you just saying, you know, I don't like people, so therefore I'm not going to deal with them really kind of panning out for your life. And mind you, there's another person somewhere else in this world that's saying the same thing. I don't like people and they have you in mind. So think about that for a second. You are not so special that you can literally exclude yourself from the people you don't like. You are people with them. You are amongst them. God has created you with them. So there's no separation between you and them that you claim you don't like. Someone out there is saying that same thing about you. So you have to really think about what you say. And remember, you don't like people. We are made in the image of God. What you are saying is, God, I don't like the people you've created. Therefore, you've made a mistake, and now you live in a state of arrogance. And that, my friend, is a very dangerous place to be in. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and dive into Scripture. What we're going to look at is Ecclesiastes 4, verse 17, 7, my apologies, through 12. And as I read... We'll just expound on this for a little bit. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. Vanity, vain, something that's just worthless. So this is Solomon writing. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon has endeavored to try all things, pleasure, joy, work, wealth, all of it. He's endeavored to try it all. And for the most part, comes to the end of saying it's vanity. It's like chasing after wind. So here's one of the evils under the sun that he's talking about. So let me repeat. Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother. Yet there is no end to all his toil and his eyes are never satisfied with riches so that he never asks. For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Doesn't that sound interesting to you? Doesn't that kind of resonate with you? Where because this person who has no other, not even children, not even a son, not a brother, 
and realizing that in this world, there is no end to the work that we have before us. We will toil. And what you toil for, well, is that even enough if it's for no one else but yourself? Because there's not enough riches. You'll always want more. It's not enough wealth, health. You'll always need more, accomplish more, and get better at. You'll be toiling forever, but your eyes are never satisfied with the riches. So that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? Why are you doing this to yourself? Why, why is there no contentment in yourself? Because there is no one else that you can share this with. There is no one else that you're doing this with. And ultimately, this doesn't bring you joy at all. There is no true contentment. You are displeased in your pursuit because you think you can be the solo writer of it all. Verse 9. For two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has another to lift him up. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. In business, as an entrepreneur, when you step out into that field, we hear a lot of terms of solopreneur and I think that's also misleading because solopreneurs will still need to outsource and find help. There is nothing that one person can do to take on the world. It just can't. It brings me back to a moment where Moses was ruling and judging Israel. He alone was the arbitrator between all of Israel and they would bring him all the cases and problems that were that were happening within the people. And then Moses' father-in-law comes and sees Moses being stressed out, completely wearing himself out in service to the people, trying to answer to their every need. And he pulls him to the side and he says, Moses, what are you doing? Moses is like, well, I got to attend to these people. These people have issues. They got problems and, you know, they need to figure out how to figure that out. And so I'm trying to help them by being the arbitrator between the two and, you know, just guiding them, being their lawyers, all of them, everyone. Also maintaining God's call in my life, also being you know, like a priest, essentially, all this. And what his father-in-law told him was, what you are saying, what you are doing, isn't good. No man can do this on his own and gives him advice and tells him to basically divide the load, right? To, To pass on some of the projects that he has on his plate and give it to other people to handle it for you and then only prioritize the things that truly matter in this but the people that you set up to delegate, basically that's what you're doing. You're delegating the task. Let them do it. Find good men, good people that are good at what they do, that honor God, that love him, and, and set them in leadership roles. Make sure they have good character and they, they're accountable for sure. But you can't do this by yourself. And so what we see here in Ecclesiastes is that because they have a good reward for their toil. We all are trying to achieve something here. Now, me personally, I just want to honor the Lord. I, I want to honor Christ and I want you to honor Christ. I want your desire is to be more conformed to Christ in the midst of chaos. That's what we are talking about here. But I understand that there are other things that are causing chaos in your life. You're trying to get ahead in your business. You're trying to get ahead in just having a real genuine relationship one day with someone in marriage. You're trying to accomplish things on your own. You want to go to the gym on your own. And at the end of the day, what scripture is telling us is that two is better than one because the reward is greater. 
There's a reason why I decided to talk about this. I was at the gym the other day, and this is kind of a small analogy as to why I'm saying this. I, I get so much from the gym. I've been lifting weights for about 10 plus years at this point, and I get so much nuggets from it, analogies that really serve me well. And one of this is when I first started in the gym world, trying to you know lift some weights, gain some muscle, I was just a scrawny kid. In reality, I didn't even want to go to the gym. It was one of my best friends that were really like forcing me to go. He had a gym membership. Uh, I, I'm assuming he just wanted someone to kind of come with him. Who better than his close buddy? And he would call me and I would just not want to do it. In all honesty, I would prefer after work to be home, watch Netflix and smoke. I'll be honest, that was where I was at in my life. And he would call me and say, hey, we're going to the gym. And I would literally argue with him and say, no, nah, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And he would have the audacity to still show up in front of my house. He's like, well, I'm here now, so I don't know what to tell you. And that was the kind of friend that he was. And and it, it obviously sparked something in me because ever since then, I never stopped working out. But it was me and him training for the first few couple months. And those workouts were the best workouts ever. But then life took over and then he moved, I, I moved, he got, you know, a family. I started my family a little later and things just kind of, you know, shifted. We're still good friends, but we obviously just could not be coming every morning together or every night working out late nights. It just wasn't possible. We had to figure it out for ourselves in our own schedule. So for a very, very long time uh, and little pockets were, you know, with uh, exception, I was working out by myself solo. All right. That was basically what I was doing. I was a solo workout guy, and I thought I was killing it. Now, lately, uh, I'm a little bit older these days. I still think I do pretty good working out. I think I give myself a decent challenge. But yesterday, I was at the gym, and I walked up to a machine, and I didn't know if someone was going to be using it, but I did see a bag. So gym rule etiquette, you see a bag, you look around, you ask do you know someone's you know using this? And then if they say they are, then you say, my bad, I'm good. And then once in a while, you get someone that is pretty cool and says, hey, it's all good, man. Do you want to work in on it? Do you want to use the same machine and just go separate sets? Normally, I don't want to. But this time, I said, you know what? Yeah, I really want to do this workout. He seems pretty cool. Let's go. And so what we started to do was literally go after each other in our sets. And what did I find out? I found out that that workout was was better, <laughs> was better than what I've had in a very long time so far because of the challenge. Because at one point, this guy was telling me, I actually like when someone works in because I don't waste time in between sets. It motivates me to go after the next set. And sure enough, I was in agreement with him because I was literally saying, you know what? You're absolutely right. Because my back, we were doing some back workouts. It was on fire. And I haven't felt that in a long time. And when I thought I was done with one of my sets, he tells me, nah, bro, I think you got another set. And sure enough, I said, all right, I got another set. And we ended up having a really good workout session with a complete stranger but that's the gym life that's what we do um and i and i just appreciated that and i loved it and i felt good and i felt like i actually put in some real honest to god work i felt like i challenged myself beyond what i what i thought i was doing because it was someone else there who can peek into my life and and tell me no you actually have more that you can do you're actually you're stopping short from your potential he doesn't know me, but you know that's what we do in the gym. 
when we know someone has the strength to do another set or another rep, well, what do we do? As any good gym bro would do, we encourage you to do it again and actually go further because guess what? I see that you can, but you're stopping yourself from moving forward. The Christian life, the Christian walk is no different. If, if anything, it's more crucial. Why do you think there's a church? Why do you think that we are called to gather together to love one another as ourselves, to love our neighbor as ourselves? That is a commandment of the Lord who, who he gives to us. Why do you think that Deuteronomy is filled with ways on how we deal with each other, with our laws, with our tithing, with our scenes, when cases start to come up between parties? There is no absolute way you can do life on your own. I don't care what that cool reel or that TikTok or that spotlight or that YouTube short got you feeling. That quick dopamine hit you got for that one minute and 30 seconds or less and it got you all inspired to not give enough about someone else. I don't care how good it sounds or what sort of instrumental they had behind it that invokes some sort of emotion. We can't do this on our own. And when we do submit to the fact that we were meant to do life together, then it becomes better. The reward is much better. That's what Ecclesiastes says here. Again, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Because what's the opposite? Because the opposite is, if you do things on your own, let verse 10 tell you what happens. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Cooperation, working with one another, that breeds real success. The success that you supposedly get on your own is short-lived and will never be enough because you have no one to share it with, no one to bless it with, but yourself. And you realize yourself is never pleased and you are a selfish and jealous, corruptible God, lowercase g. And there's a better reward working together as opposed to being alone because it's inevitable that things will fall. And as the scriptures just told us, a threefold cord is not easily broken. The turmoil of life is that we share it with one another and come and encourage one another in Christ because that is how we grow and that is how we find healing. That is how we find healing. There's something in Proverbs, I can't tell you where it's at, but I know it's there, that says that he who seeks isolation, right? He who seeks to, to isolate himself from any sort of criticism, any sort of advice is a fool and it's a danger. Any person that would think that he does not need advice or guidance or help, who can do it on his own, who can lock himself up in the room forever, live in your mother's house forever and make up excuses or even if you're not in your mom's home, but you are seriously just living life on your own, thinking that you can be some sort of autonomous Christian, you are arrogant. And arrogance is pride, and pride will lead to the fall. This is not to put anyone down. This is to encourage you, to, to remind you that we are called to gather together, that if you want real reward and growth in Christ, 
to deal with the chaos of your life, the reason why you keep falling into the pits that you do, the same sins, the same problems, the same depression, is because you think that you can do things on your own and you can't. But God has called us to do life with one another, to be there, confess our sins to one another, encourage one another, rebuke one another, which is why I think most people try to isolate themselves because they don't want to hear the criticisms. They don't want to be told when they're wrong. I know I don't really like it either, okay? Like, in, in reality, I don't like being told that I'm wrong. Who does? But if you are in Christ and Christ has set you free, he has given you a, a new heart, you know that what you're hearing, the reason why you don't like it is because there may be some truth in it. If not, indeed, it all be the truth. So I leave this with you. The hope is this. The hope is that because Christ died on the cross, because he has forgiven us our sins, and because, as Romans 8.28 will remind us, that he will fulfill and finish the good work that he started in us, then rest assured, he will complete it. What I would suggest is cut out the isolation. Get plugged in. Meet with brothers and sisters. Throw yourself out there a bit. And I got to challenge myself on this too because I'm the type of person that just goes and I, I typically think no one wants to hang out with me. I'll be honest with you. I don't think I'm someone who's liked quite easily, but I have to challenge myself and put myself out there because that could just be a very, very bad way of thinking, which I think it is. And I think there are other people that feel that way too. I used to think that I felt awkward in church. Like I can make friends with the world, but I'm not good with making friends with Christians. When in reality, what it is, is I don't want to be open about who I am and what my sins are. Because I know that with those guys in the world, they'll just accept it and even applaud it. Is that you? Do you feel the same way? I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. And this might make you want to pray for me. Please do. I'd rather be honest with you than anything else. So if this is where you find yourself at, this is the battle that you're dealing with. You keep falling into the same pits and sins. It's because you think you can do it alone and you're trying to do it alone. And when you realize you fall and you're in, you're in that pit, there's no one else to lift you up. And the one person that is there for you will always be there who calls you to run back to him. Sin is the very thing that tells us to run further away from him. Isn't that funny how sin makes us transgress against God that you would think that because of the truth of God that we have the ability to go before him, confess our sins, and that Christ is interceding for us and that we could draw back to the cross, find forgiveness, repent, and get back on the course, and instead we keep running further as if that somehow helps because we know and deep inside that because of this shame, we can't really be before holy God. And if it wasn't for Christ, you're right. If it wasn't for Christ, you really can't be before him with our filthiness and our wickedness. But thanks be to God who provided a way, who through Christ took our sins and has forgiven us and is right now currently ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and for me. So I hope you find some encouragement in this. I hope that this encourages you to get a brother and a sister, call someone up, shoot a text, be real with them, let them know where you're at, be vulnerable, and start doing life together because you can't do it alone. Because remember this, that in the midst of chaos, and everyone goes through it, Christ is there. God bless you.